Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. I mean, you just continue to get better. I mean, there's stuff to learn throughout the entire game, whether it's a, you know, three and out or whether it's a 17-play drive, you know. And, you know, we're five and three right now with a lot of games left to play. So, you know, we're going to come in tomorrow, watch the tape, correct it, learn from it, and, uh, you know, we're going to enjoy this this weekend, this time off that we have, and get refreshed and, and healthy and, uh, you know, be ready to roll coming, coming off this week. That's Bill's safety and Captain Jordan Poyer. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. I'm live. Nate Geary here, live from Batavia Downs at the Legends and Stars Sports Expo. And joining me now on the Western Hotline, my buddy Matt Perino of Syracuse.com, who joins us here, Bill's Beat reporter. Matt? Uh, good afternoon to you, my friend. How was basketball today? Hopefully a, a big win on the board for uh, for the Sun. Uh, it, was, it was just our second practice. Uh, oh, practice, you know, okay. we're, Yeah, we're working out uh, some early season uh, kinks, and uh, we'll sure. see where we are in about a month here. Love it, love it. Uh, so, Matt, listen, I, I wanted to start with, uh, <clears throat> I guess, not really breaking news. Uh, breaking would, be, would mean that we were surprised by it, but uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN about an hour ago tweeting out reporting uh, two names to watch in the AFC East that could be moved: the the Patriots, Josh Uche, their pass rusher, their pass rusher, and uh, Bills corner Kyer Elam. I, you know, you and I have talked a little bit. Um, I would actually say a lot of it over the last couple of months, really dating back um, to training camp, about kind of the. I don't know awkwardness and and sort of weird situation that that has been Kyer Elam. Uh, you know, if this ultimately comes to a head and, and he is traded, I guess to me, Matt, what this would speak to is this is a team right now that already lost its top corner for the season. If they trade Kyer Elam, they are down to basically Dane Jackson and Christian Benford. If injury happens, God forbid, um, you know, having Josh Norman having to play meaningful downs, you have to be really down on Kyer Elam, I guess, to sacrifice the potential depth at the cornerback position where you're already hurting a little bit. I mean, t- tell, try, I get, try to make this make sense to me a little bit, short of you're just trying to cut bait, but I, I think you're sacrificing potential depth issues if another injury arises. You know, I think that, that we've always been on this path. When we got, when you get to a second season and you had a whole off season to recalibrate things for your former first round pick, and you get to the first game and you can't even get him a jersey on game day, I, I just, I wonder. And listen, they, they, they've had a lot of success. This coaching staff, this regime, um, and, and this is an isolated situation. But I can't imagine being Kyer Elam in that locker room, watching Spencer Brown 
a third-round draft pick over the last couple of years go out there and really struggle at times and watch the way that he was able to go out there and figure things out uh, to a point this season where I think he's been really solid. Um, And looking at your own situation, and sure, there are issues um, from a scheme perspective, of course. Like, this was always going to be a project, trying to figure out – they're trying to to fit – uh, a, a square peg into a round hole with Kyer Elam. He comes from a specific kind of defense in college. He played press man uh, predominantly, and they're asking him to, you know, be a completely different style of player. Now, to a degree, they did that with Tredavious White when they drafted him. He played a lot of uh, man at LSU, and it wasn't a, a perfect uh, scheme fit either. But to me, this feels like an indictment on the coaching staff, a coaching staff that has kind of a track record with these kind of one-off situations. Like, you know, go back to Cody Ford, the way they handled him early in his career. All right, we're going to split time at right tackle. We don't believe in you enough to hand you the job. Uh, And this was back in 19 when, you know, this was early in Josh Allen's career. This wasn't a Super Bowl window, a Super Bowl contender. And they told Cody Ford with their decision that we don't believe in you. And then the next year, they, they, they throw him inside and try to play him at guard and it never really worked there either. It's like I almost wondered if they would learn from that kind of situation. And listen, is there culpability in this for Kyer Elam? We don't know the whole story. We, we don't have a full picture into how this thing has transpired. Sure, that, that, that's a very logical uh, part of this. But to, to get here halfway through his second season, a first-round draft pick that you traded up for, you can't even put him on the field. I don't know. It just, this just doesn't add up for me. And here's another part of it, Nate, that I struggle with personally. We're not talking about all pro caliber guys in front of him. Like, Dane Jackson yeah. and Christian Benford have been really solid players, right? What's going to happen when you play elite offenses, when you need speed at those spots against the Tyreek Hills of the world, the A.J. Yep. Browns of the world? I get a, like wanting scheme-specific players, but you need traits too, and it's why they drafted Elam. The, to your point earlier, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I think to me, Matt, the the other part that I think is the most confusing, I, I love bringing up Spencer Brown for this, right? W- le- how patient this team was, letting him struggle, and and really not going out and getting anybody to hedge their bet against it. They, they didn't go out and go get a, a right tackle that, you know uh, – uh, it'd be he, right? I mean, they, they, they go out and they go get a guy that started games. But, like, it's not like they went out and, and went and signed a guy that's got 70 starts or, you know, multiple years, a, a former Pro Bowl player. They basically said, we're rolling the dice on a guy that did not put a lot of good film on, um, you know, put, put a lot of good film together last year or really struggled um, after taking over for Daryl Williams. And and I and I guess I where I become most critical of this, Matt, is Sean McDermott's defensive coach. This is, and and not only a defensive coach, he has a track record of maximizing players at the cornerback position. I think about Josh Norman. Josh Norman, who he was before he really took off in Sean McDermott's uh, defense, right? Became an all-pro player. Talk about one of the best corners in the league under Sean McDermott. And for him to... I mean, just not have really any patience whatsoever or, or in, in my opinion, anyways, interest in letting him learn and develop um, to me is even more confusing that this isn't a, a Kyle Shanahan. This isn't an offensive minded head coach. This is a defensive minded head coach who's developed corners, you know, and, and, and time and time again. And, and for them just to lack the patience, it, it to me screams there is something that that 
that's below the surface here that that I think either the media and fan base alike are, are just kind of missing. Yeah, I mean that's that's a piece of it that I think eventually when a trade happens, maybe we'll get a idea of what all went into this whole situation because we're Nate six or seven weeks removed, eight weeks removed from Brandon Bean saying it's just a numbers game, right? Like Tre'Davious White is back. They still believe in Kyrie Elam. There's a lot of confidence, and you have to have depth at that position. And to me, activating Norman and and literally putting Kyrie Elam again in this inactive situation, like, I don't know how you come back from this. Like, I tweeted it. And you mentioned, like, the Spencer Brown deal and the confidence that they've had in him. They literally actively went out this offseason and brought in the – literally the, 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 the player that cleared the bar the least in Brandon Shell. Like, everybody was, was in my mentions right. when they signed him, and I was just lukewarm on the idea. I thought he was basically as bad as Spencer Brown last year. If you look at some of the advanced numbers, and, you know, he obviously retired and couldn't foresee that situation, but they literally actively went out there and tried to cushion this training camp and preseason and offseason for Spencer Brown as much as they can. They could. And I just don't understand why there's been this complete opposite approach with Elam. Um, yeah, yeah we we'll probably won't get an answer until uh, on the other side of this. Matt Perino here, Syracuse.com, Bills beat reporter, joining me on the Wester Hotline, talking a little Kyer Elam. Let's talk about and put a bow on that Bucks game, Matt. <clears throat> I think a, a much better performance overall by this defense. Obviously, it helps they play a Bucks team that cannot run <laughs> the football. You know, averaging less than uh, less than three yards a carry going into that game. We got to see, I think, a new wrinkle: Sean McDermott playing Jordan Poyer at the linebacker position in dime. Um, you know, what, what do you make of that defensive performance last week against the Buccaneers? Although uh, it got a little uh, stressful towards the end, I think overall the, uh, the, the sort of lot of that performance, but the Bills uh, defense had a really nice bounce back game from that, uh, that tough performance against the, uh, the Patriots. Yeah, I, I agree. It was definitely a bounce back performance, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but we're not talking about an elite offense with the Bucs. Yeah. And they have two good receivers, right. but that right. quarterback – it's funny. Baker Mayfield is still such a ride, isn't he? Like, it, there's moments yeah. where you see, like, these little glimpses of really good play, like good decision-making, the, 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 the accuracy. The, He's got the arm strength. Body. Yep. Yeah. It, it was great. But then you see just these perplexing moments where he's kind of navigating the pocket. You see, okay, open guy over there, open guy over there. What are you doing? And so, like, I feel like this was the perfect matchup to get back right. Listen, Nate, there's still some issues here. Uh, I, I think, like, the Von Miller question – is a valid one. Um, I think with the buy, uh, the mini buy, and then the legitimate buy, that they're hedging their bet that he is going to be the guy they need him to be yeah. in December. I'm holding, I'm holding out hope for Bills fans that that'll be the case, but it's not a guarantee. Um, interior, they are absolutely done if Ed Oliver does not play in a game. We saw how much yeah. he meant to things right. this last week. And so without that depth, I have real concerns. Now, at the linebacker position, I think Terrell Bernard, who hasn't been as good as he was early in the season with playing next to Milano, he's been solid. And I think he's going to only get better and more confident as the season goes along. I don't know that Tyrell Dotson is a long-term answer there. And then in the secondary, yeah, I think there's some really exciting things that they could do three safety with three safety looks that they've done. Uh, they haven't really experimented a lot during training camp. I thought that was something that they would do more of, and now they've almost been forced into it because of the injury. So, yes, definitely a bounce-back performance, but I still think, you know, against some of these really, really good offenses, it's, you know, Sean McDermott has his work cut out for him.
Let's talk about the offense. Um, and, and I do, you know, I want to preface this by saying it did feel like the Bills left some points on the board, scoring 24. And all game, it, it sort of just felt like we were waiting for them to blow the top off of, blow the lid off of that game because they were moving the football with ease. I thought the tempo <laughs> that they played with um, really put them back into at least, I think, a tempo that we looked at and said, okay, this feels more like the Bills offense that we've sort of come to expect week in and week out, not the offense we've seen over the last three weeks prior. Um, but overall, your, your thoughts on the offense, some of the changes that we've seen, obviously a lot more 11 personnel with no Dawson Knox playing, uh, the, the emergence of Khalil Shakir, um, you know, Gabe Davis playing a more – I think all-inclusive wide receiver role instead of just their deep shot guy, and obviously Dalton Kincaid. I think really coming into his own overall. What did you think of the offense performance and, and maybe how that looks, um, you know, to, to scale the rest of the way here? Yeah, I think that there was a great adjustment from Josh Allen and Ken Dorsey to get the ball out of his hands a little bit quicker, and you know, do some of that pre-snap stuff where you're diagnosing and you're adjusting, and not just kind of. Sometimes I think Josh Allen gets into this dangerous spot where. He's so good, and they've had so much success that I almost feel like he goes – like you ever get go, have a task back when you're in college and you're like, yeah, I know this stuff, man. I'm sort of going there and wheel and deal, and I'll figure it out in the way. Like sometimes I feel like that's how Josh Allen plays at times. And I feel like they had a great plan this week. Um, Sean McDermott talked about them being a little bit more detailed. And then for, for Dorsey, like I think it's a great – tool to have to be able to kind of roll through all these different personnel packages like they do and like the, the personnel itself within those packages but I don't think like an NFL offense ha can have sustained success if they're playing like an NHL hockey team where it's like line change after line change yeah. after line change and you're like your eyelids are kind of like fluttering and, and you're trying to kind of like because I do that during the games I, I, I go through the personnel packages to try to figure out how much they're leaning into certain things and two weeks ago when they were playing uh, the Patriots, dude, I couldn't keep up. Like, I'm literally, I'm literally trying to get in my notebook with all the different numbers over and over. And then I, the first thing I noticed on this first drive, 11 personnel, Shakir, Diggs, Davis, Latavius Murray, which is a side conversation, and then uh -huh. Alan Kincaid. And it stayed that way through the whole first drive. And I feel like you saw some continuity build. You saw them kind of get comfortable in that set. And then you can kind of flip through some things after that. But um, I like the up-tempo. I think they have to lean into that a little bit more. And you don't have to do it for the full game. You don't even have to do it, you know, if you come out and do some up-tempo stuff at the start, you could settle into something if you score early or you get a lead and kind of go from that. But if that's a, like a, uh, something that you're good at, lean into it. And he did. Let's talk about Latavius Murray, his usage, James Cook, his usage. I, I, if I'm being honest, I do think they miss a little bit of having the the third wheel of this running back group in, in Damon Harris. And we you know, haven't really gotten much update on uh, what it looks like when he's going to return from the neck injury, the scary neck injury that he sustained a couple of weeks ago. Um, overall, though, uh, you know, I've been a little puzzled at times with the usage. And, and listen, you know, Latavius Murray is 33 years old. He still has some juice left. Uh, I, I think he's played well um, for the most part. But, you know, some of the situations they're putting Murray in, you know, the, the offensive pass interference last week, uh, just not – he shouldn't be asked to be in that position um, to be out there. He is not – that is not the type of player he's ever been, much less what he is at the age of 33. And, uh, you know, frankly, Matt, I want to see more James Cook. This is the most dynamic running back they have on the roster. He's very good. He's taken the step. I'd like to see him even get more involved in the red zone more. Um, I think he showed that against the Patriots as, as a real pass-catching option in the red zone when things sort of break down. Um, I, I haven't loved the rotation that I've seen really kind of dating back for the last three or four weeks now. 
No, I don't like it either. And that's coming from somebody that's probably higher on Latavius Murray than most. I mean, I like what he offers you in terms of depth, like the ability to come into the game and add a change of pace. But, like, I feel like they're they're kind of messing around with something they don't want to mess around with. Like, uh, Sean McDermott was asked after the game about James Cook being a bit animated on the sideline at one point, and he actually answered and said he wants to play. And it's like, well, yeah, no duh. Your second-round draft pick in his second year who went on a media tour before the start of the season saying he's RB1, you've literally put in the doghouse not even halfway into the season. And for what? Like, he's had some really – to be honest with you, Nate, in the first two months, hasn't he had some of the best games you can remember the last couple of years from a Bills running back? And they responded to that, I think, after one subpar game by, like, you know – putting them in timeout. And I just don't know if in this era of football, if that is going to yield the results you want. And maybe it will, because he has looked pretty good over the last couple of weeks, um, even still. And maybe they think they're motivating him. But I don't know. At times, I just, I almost feel like they're just too in their own heads with how to, like, operate. And I just can't see a guy like, you know, Andy Reid, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you can remember an example in the Chiefs run where he's taken a starting player and kind of put him in timeout. I almost thought, at one point, they were they needed to put Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in timeout at one point, and they still didn't, and they just kind of let him kind of ride it out. So, I don't know. Sometimes I just wonder if, the, you know, this coaching staff, you know, micro – and it's funny because Sean McDermott said last week he doesn't like to micromanage his coaches, but sometimes it feels like they micromanage the players a little bit. Matt Perino, Syracuse.com, Bill's Beat Reporter, joining me on the Western Hotline. Before I let you go, Matt <clears> – <throat> You know, I think a lot has been made, um, especially just through some of the struggles for this Bills offense, right? Like, and maybe I want to stop short of saying struggles, right? Like, it just has looked very hard. And this is not the first time. This is dating back to last year at times where <laughs> this offense goes through stretches where they don't look like themselves. They're searching for an identity. You mentioned some of the personnel usage um, that Ken Dorsey uses. And I almost think sometimes they go too much. They do too much changing. And it, it sometimes feels like the lineup can't get into a rhythm because they're constantly changing personnel uh, groupings. I think that they're going to be a little bit more handcuffed now with no Dawson Knox. You're going to have to run a lot more 11 personnel. Quentin Morris expected to be back here in the next week or so with an ankle injury. But like all in all, Maybe what do you point to the most as why this offense just finds these stretches of of sustained level of football where it's not that they just don't look like themselves. It looks like they're searching for an identity. And and I think when you're in year two of an offensive coordinator, you're year six with your franchise quarterback, I I don't think you want to be able to or say you want to accept these long stretches where they're looking for trying to find an identity. This, This isn't really the time for that. Like, you're supposed to be doing that in the spring and in the summer. And by the time you get to the season, you're supposed to have an identity. The problem for the Bills is they thought their identity was going to be 12 personnel. They ran through it while Dawson Knox was healthy, and it never really reached a level of sustained comfort for this offense, whether it be Josh Allen, whether it be the the tight ends. Like, honestly, Nate, in the passing game with these two tight ends, I never felt like, they had both of them operating comfortably all the time, right? Like you go back to the Carolina days, uh, you know, Brandon Bean has mentioned, you know, Jeremy Shockey and Greg Olson early in their careers. Well, they were at when they really instituted that, correct me if I'm wrong, but weren't they just both a little bit more veteran players? Like you're trying to bring uh, a guy like Dalton Kincaid along with an established player in Dawson Knox, who's already had kind of like this weird 
strange role in this offense, like where he's he 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 ping pongs between being the second option in the game to sometimes the third, sometimes the fourth, and now they're they're bringing in Kincaid, and through the first two months, it's like he's been in that same role. Like you never know what kind of usage he's going to get in the game, and, and so now I think what we're looking at now is they have to lean into eleven, they have to lean into Dalton Kincaid being on the field. The interesting thing for me is what are they doing when Knox if Knox comes back? Do they try to pivot back into twelve personnel that wasn't really ever working? Con- consistently when he was here especially if the offense kind of gets unlocked with Kincaid as tight end number one I don't know this is a really interesting question I don't know you know they they're paying Dawson Knox a lot of money Mm -hmm. he's got a lot of cachet in that locker room Mm -hmm. he's obviously good buddies with Josh Allen it's a serious question they're going to have to answer if Knox uh, if and when Knox gets back I think it can be really interesting if this offense starts to sort of take off and find its identity back in 11 personnel um, because I think a big part of their success yesterday, or I'm sorry, on Thursday, was because of Dalton Kincaid. And finally, it feels like Josh Allen's starting to trust him in some of these situations. He's got the best hands outside of Stephon Diggs on this team, and getting him the ball, not necessarily just an open space, but getting him the ball when they can, I think has to continue to be a priority for them. And, and I think for me, Matt, I, I don't want to predict that we're going to be coming up on some awkward situations here or some difficult decisions. Um, but if you're paying $14 million to a tight end who is your number two tight end, which I think was going to be the thing all along here anyways, um, there's going to be some difficult conversations in this building. Yeah, and it, and it doesn't get any easier because of what the personnel looks like in other position rooms. I yeah. mean, you have a guy you're paying $5 million this year that I thought was going to be the third wide receiver that at times has been the fifth wide receiver. Yep. And now you have a kid in Khalil Shakir who you had on the roster already. Like sometimes uh-huh. I wonder if um, I, I get Brandon Bean adding competition and wanting multiple um, options at, at, at spots. But, you know, Deontay Hardy, I still don't get the vision for what he could be because yep. when he's been targeted this season, he, I thought he's been electric. Like he's got Me some too. run after the catch. You know, he can win down the field. He's got like all three dimensions of a, that a wide receiver needs to have in his game. He has speed. He can win long. He's got separation ability. He's got run after the catch. That's something that, to me, that I think you'd want to lean on. Uh, but they haven't figured out a way. And sometimes, to your point that you made earlier, and sorry about the rooster in the background, I'm at Elkenberg Farm, family day here, and uh, <laughs> that rooster is just like, he doesn't want to wait until I'm off this hit um, to just get going. <laughs> I, I think Dorsey um, just has to – you know, he's got a lot of, like, wheels that he's got a, a lot of pins on the wheel that he's spinning as part of their offensive scheme. And sometimes you just wonder, like, I think your players are saying it. Gabe Davis said it last week. Less is more. Let's be simpler. Let's lean into what we're good at. And if you're constantly just workshopping all these different ideas as part of your offense, do you have any good ones? That's right. Matt, I appreciate you, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your weekend with the fam. And uh, appreciate you, as always, for stopping on. No problem. Rooster says goodbye, too. Later, guys. <laughs> Sounds good. Matt Farino there of Syracuse.com on the West Her Hotline. I'm Nate Geary. I'm live from Batavia Downs at the Legends and Stars Sports Expo. It is 12.50 and on stage right now, heading off here shortly, former Bill fullback Larry Centers and uh, Fred Lynn and John LeClaire. They're going to enter the stage here in just a few moments. There's a photo booth to my left. Not only can you get autographs, but you can also get a photo with these guys as well. So uh, we'll continue on next here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 